Greetings, sapiens! It is I, Chance Gilliam, welcoming you to another sensational episode of Chance by Chance. I've made it my job to facilitate conversations with artists, scientists, innovators, and educators, gathering stories and lessons, then distilling the information so you can apply it to your own lives and work. Today's episode is one music lovers are sure to be excited about because our guest is the Turrentan, Jake Lupin himself. He's a vocalist and guitarist in the indie rock band Hippocampus. Signed first to Grand Jury Records and now to 30 Tigers, who also manages Lizzo, Lowe, Jason Isbell, and Trampled by Turtles, to name a few, Hippocampus has exploded in popularity in the Twin Cities scene and beyond, and the four members are still in their early 20s. With a couple of EPs titled Bashful Creatures and The Halo Climb, Hippo has performed at South by Southwest, Lollapalooza, Red Rocks, Rock the Garden, and appeared on Conan, opening for acts such as My Morning Jacket, Modest Mouse, The Mowgli's, and Walk the Moon. Their first full album, Landmark, launches on February 24th, and they hit the road in late January for a headlining tour. In this episode, Jake and I discuss management, Hippo's development from raw, bare-bones shows for exposure and no pay to their upcoming headlining tour, we discuss the evolution of songwriting, learning the reasons why they play music and what they're writing for. We talk about (laughs) cutting out the noise of haters, maintaining relationships within the band, removing emotion from business and putting ego aside. Jake shares a word of instruction to new bands, how to surround yourself with the right crowd, some reflections on the Twin Cities community, what touring has opened his eyes to, some advice to his younger self, and we finish up with the importance of mentorship. This was a really fun one. Jake was an awesome guest to have on the show, and there's tons and tons of information for you to ponder and, of course, apply to whatever it is you're doing these days, musicians in particular, but innovators and creators of all types, as is usual for this show. Without further ado, without any further rambling from me, please enjoy my conversation with Jake Lupin. Yo, 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 get ready, prepare for, get ready for... Jake, thanks for coming on the show. Welcome. Of course, man. Thanks for thanks for talking to me today. Yeah, we're sitting here sipping some spy house tea. And some delicious Montana gold. Yeah, this is the stuff. We're uh, sitting in your rehearsal space, your uh, your warehouse space, all the equipment in here in Northeast. I'm curious how you ended up, wh- when and how. I know you re- moved in recently, and good space can be hard to come by. So I'm curious just how this all unfolded. Um, so this unfolded probably about, I think it was two, either two or three years ago, uh, we met this man named Scott Strandberg at Mill City Nights. We were playing a show with that band Wolf Hut. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I remember Zeke's Wolf old project. Hut, yeah. Um, and Scott comes up to us after the show and he says, uh, I work for Trampled by Turtles and I have this space in Northeast and you guys should come practice. The first impression you get of Scott is he's he's a pretty intense man. So very initially we were scared because come to my this space. strange man <laughs> uh, telling us to come practice at his space. But he came around a few more shows and we got to know him a little better. And so we said, all right, we'll we'll go out to dinner with you and, and talk about everything. And Scott had passed our name along to uh, management called Thirty Tigers. He manages Trampled by Turtles, Lizzo, and Lo. And they came out to see us. And so Scott is really responsible for like 
<laughs> everything that happened to us, kind of putting us in the hands of, of some great people to work with. And the byproduct of that is we also got a sweet space out yeah. of the deal to practice yeah. in. So, Just to talk some more about Scott, I don't know all that much about management, but does he just have a passion for music, goes around to shows? Yeah, Scott is an LD, so a lighting director, and he did that for Trampled, and now he's going to uh, do that with us. Where the tour actually coming up will be Scott's first like official tour with us, which will be Whoa. awesome to have him out on the road. Um, but yeah, he's a music lover, and he said that was the first time he had ever passed a band along to management, so it's cool. Yeah, cool, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as you have gone on tour you're getting ready for another tour what has gotten easier what's gotten more difficult i mean you're looking at lighting for this next tour and and the whole nine yards so that front has obviously gotten easier you're not doing everything for yourself maybe speak on some of those positives and negatives exactly uh when we first started touring it was pretty bare bones we had just a van no trailer we had a sound person slash merch person whose name is Holly and she's she's a champion she's still with us <laughs> but very initially it was you know the five of us packed in this very tight van with all this gear playing first of three opening for this band called the Mowgli's and it was raw it was super raw <laughs> just going out playing shows for like no pay just for exposure and now I mean it's developed into this thing where we you know we have Scott, Holly, and we have a tour manager and merch person, Evan. Now we're moving on to a headlining tour um, where we can, woo, yeah. <laughs> where we can kind of create our own space and, and give people the show that we want to give them. What's gotten more difficult? I think songwriting has definitely become more interesting at, at kind of the bare bones level of figuring out why we write songs, who we write songs for, and what kind of songs and what kind of band we want to be moving forward. Hmm. When we took a step back to write this album, we hadn't written in probably like a year and a half to two years as a band, really, like actually sat down and, and wrote for a project. So there's a lot of difficulty going about it, figuring out if we were going to write for people or if we were going to write for ourselves or, you know, kind of find a happy middle ground there. Mm. So that's become more difficult just in, in finding why we write and why we perform and why we do it. I think that only gets hazier as you as you keep going and as you're exposed to more opportunities and hmm. how much have you been writing with your audience in mind i think very little honestly initially it was something that we that was definitely a lot more on our minds than it is now i think we got to a point to this record where it was kind of like you know what why don't we just make the record that that we're happy with at this moment and like the most honest work that we possibly can and if people latch onto it then great but if people don't then you know then they don't but yeah. at least at the end of the day the only thing you could be responsible for as an artist is is the way you feel about things because people are gonna hate stuff no matter what people are gonna you know comment on your youtube videos like angrily and dislike <laughs> all of your things and if you make if you're making art to please them and then they dislike it you're just left with absolutely nothing but if you make art that's true to yourself and then they if they don't like it, at least you still have art that you're happy with. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's putting it in very simple terms, but... <laughs> <laughs> a few years back, did you, one, realistically imagine you could be at the level you're at today? And two, did you see any of this coming in the way that it has? Honestly, when I graduated high school, I thought I was going to be a speech pathologist. I had always gone about 
music as as a hobby. I had always said I wasn't going to do it as a career. Because my mom had done it as a career. My grandfather had done it as a career. My grandmother had done it as a career. So I was like, I'm going to do something different, you know. <laughs> but it got to a point where I just, uh, I just... Had to, <laughs> I just had to do it. Like there was no way. It just this band was was worth it. Whistler uh, was gonna go to Hawaii for school, and he decided to stay home. And Zach and I went to college for a very short period of time. And but it was just it just felt right. It's a rare occasion that you could find four people that you uh, that are simultaneously your best friends and that you could like make beautiful things with. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, that is beautiful. How do you manage those? relationships within the band and we can dig into this oh to God. whatever extent you want to but <laughs> you know i mean a lot yeah. of people wish they could go to work every day with their best friends but when you get something like that it can be kind of hard to balance relationships yeah i mean at this point it's it's become family essentially like it's it's kind of transcendent of just like a friendship because it's not like you know if one of us gets mad we could really just leave on tour you know i mean we're around each other constantly so you just have to recognize that you know while you might not always like everybody you love everybody those three guys are my brothers and i think the most complex part is kind of doing business with those people and, and learning to kind of take emotion out of the business aspect of things recognize when we're on tour we're working and we're doing a job hmm. and even if you really hate you know that person over there right now you have a job to do and you need to put down any sort of weird feelings because you love that person hmm. and you have a job to do hmm. it's the hard part learning to compartmentalize that i mean there's been numerous amount of times on tour i've like left and just like went for a walk and it's just like <laughs> you got to learn to just zen out i mean all of us have but I'm not going to pretend like there hasn't been some, like, crazy arguments, but... Yeah. There hasn't been any, like, shouting. We don't usually shout. We'll usually kind of, like, store it up, the, get the work done, and then we'll get home and we'll, like, sit near a fireplace with us four and we'll just kind of, like, cry it out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> near a fireplace. <laughs> yeah, we just kind of, like, it's like a therapy session. Usually Whistler's, like, the therapist. He's like, how does that make you feel? And we're like, makes me feel sad, man. And yeah, it's it's... It's great. Man, you guys have got it down to a science thing. <laughs> Maybe. And everything. Oh, it's never it's never as easy as a science, but... Yeah. To to touch on business, which you mentioned, this is a really broad question, but what have you learned in the past couple of years? And specifically, what do you know now you wish you would have known when Hippocampus first got the ball rolling, making music and playing shows? Hmm. Man, I don't even know. I don't think I could have used any of the information I know now back then. I think it's just kind of a thing, like, I just learned everything at the at the time when I was supposed to hear it, I guess. Hmm. Business-wise, we have a great management team and great agents that handle all that stuff, and, and they lay out the options for us, and, and we pick the option that suits us best. So at this point, it's... We mainly focus on uh, making music, which is really the important thing. Yeah, that's it's what kind it's of, all about. Yeah, 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 I mean, that's what it's all about. And artists really shouldn't have to worry about any of that other stuff. That's mm. just going to cloud your headspace. You should be able to just have that headspace completely open at any time to capture something or to make something. Mm. Like, mm. I'm no businessman. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say, though, you, um, you were guiding... A few young, blossoming musicians that are just setting out on the Twin City scene here, yeah. and they're saying, Jake, what's the first thing I should do? I've got this music, we've got these tracks recorded, what do I do now? I would say make sure that the tracks you're about to release are, are very strong. 
I think that's an important thing. I mean, we had we had a full album recorded before Bashful Creatures was ever released, and uh, we scrapped it because it wasn't it wasn't good enough. And we almost put it out, but we met some people who were like, "Don't put that out," you know. It's not, it's not high enough quality. And so I think that's you know really quality check yourselves and really make sure that everything you're putting out is is of the highest quality and that you're the most confident in it. I mean, there's a level of you know of like wanting to release demos to, to gain some attention and that's totally okay but if you're going to actually release something important make sure you have the platform to be able to do that and then make sure that the stuff you're releasing is of the highest quality because there's going to be Joe Schmo down the street who's going to have <laughs> way more polished things than you will you know mm-hmm. so you have to make sure like you just have to make sure your stuff is going to be heard in the right way when you release it you know who are those people that came to you and said this is not good enough it, it, you know it the, takes someone special to yeah, really be that does. be that openly honest i think scott told us that and then there was another guy who was who we were talking to about management named john garrett who came to us and said that and it was it was really really bold for somebody who is you know trying to come in and manage us but <laughs> we are forever indebted to john garrett for for that decision for not releasing that album we saw him in north carolina the other day and we, and we, we're, so, we were we're thanking him we're like thanks man <laughs> We thank him every time we see him. Well, <laughs> and speaking a little more on those sorts of relationships, all the people that you've met in the past few years, how have you learned to associate yourself with the right people? How do you, you know, choose your crowd? I think it's just finding people uh, that are nice and just ego-free. I think out there there's a lot of people that confront a lot. And I understand that. I mean, you know, you, it's it's a scary thing to be making art out here, and it's a scary thing to be a band amongst so many bands like Mm -hmm. an infinite amount of bands out here but the people i always make the most meaningful connections with are the people who who don't front who are nice and who are themselves and who you can see are just being themselves maybe i won't necessarily love your music but if you're a really good person and i can see that you're genuinely making this art from the right place and like of course i'm gonna like you and of course i'm gonna want to associate myself with you you know so I think that's what's important, and I think on another level than that, people just that artistically challenge you, that just make you better. A particular person we encountered making this this past record was this guy named B.J. Burton, who ended up producing our record. He produced Boney Vare's latest record, Francis in the Lights and Low, and he really came into what we were doing, telling us that we can we can do it a lot better hmm. than we were, yeah. and really pushed us to put egos aside and to just let art be art. I think we're forever indebted to him for that reason. Like, to find somebody who could challenge you so is so important. Can you give me an example of putting ego aside? It sounds complicated, and maybe yeah. it doesn't need to be. For example, like, my guitar part doesn't work on this track. There's no reason my guitar should be there. Hmm. Let's take it out. <laughs> and then, you know, as a guitar player, maybe you're like, well, I liked my guitar part, and I want it in there. But then you have to sit back and say, this is so much better as a piano part. Hmm. And that's it. And hmm. you just let go. But that was a tough lesson for us to learn because, I mean, there's, there's things like, you know, drum machines on the record, and I know that was, that was hard for Whistler at first. But he absolutely took it like a champ. You just have to realize whatever's best for the track. Like, a drum machine sounds great here. It sounds way better than the drum part. Choose the drum machine. Yeah. Like, the vocal doesn't need to be here. These words don't need to be here, you know? Just a matter of, of learning to just let go. Like, maybe there's no acoustic instruments on this track, and that's mm-hmm. what suits the song best. 
that's what you have to learn how to do in order to like continue evolving and continue to make things that are fresh and exciting. You know, in speaking to people on this podcast, a lot of guests discuss letting go, and it always strikes me as sort of a spiritual or philosophical mindset. Are you able to trace back to the roots of where that comes from? Is that something you learned from your parents? Or? Oh, I'm, I'm terrible at letting go. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, it is something that, you know, your parents teach you. You need to be one part of the thing. I mean, I was brought up pretty religious, and, I mean, that's something that they, they really teach in religion, you know, is mm. that it's kind of like put yourself aside for the greater good. For the greater and, good. You know, <laughs> for the greater good, you know. And I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily a terribly religious person anymore, but I was raised that way. Music is like religion in the sense it's, like, bigger than any person. Like, these songs, like, you know, exist, and they just... It's our job to kind of, like, wrangle them in and, hmm. and let them out. But, I mean, do whatever serves the song. Cool. Yeah. Switching gears just slightly, what is present in the Twin Cities scene that is not elsewhere, for better or for worse? Oh, man. It's a dangerous question, Chance. <laughs> I think there's a great sense of community in the cities, obviously. There's definitely a great sense of community. And I love living here, and I think I'll live here for a very long time. But in that sense of community, I feel like sometimes people get upset if you leave that community. Hmm. And I think that that's something that, that was kind of hard to deal with initially when we started touring was... Everybody back home, you know, keeps making new stuff, and there's always going to be a new hot thing in the cities, you know, like, in the cities, man, you know, <laughs> it's local, like, make it local, and so uh, it's something I still deal with, I think, where I get, I definitely find myself getting jealous sometimes of, of local bands, because it's like, you have such a great, warm environment, hmm. you know, you have such a safe space, but I think it's important to break out of that safe space hmm. and to go in environments where people have been brought up entirely different than you or maybe where people speak a different language than you and play your art there and see what kind of life it takes on, you know? Like, hmm. see what, what those songs mean in Paris or see what those songs mean in Austin, Texas or see what those songs mean in Salt Lake City, Utah. Every night is going to be different. I love the safe space here. I think it's great for a lot of artists, but I think it's something that we, we actively tried to push ourselves to take risks in addition to kind of living here but it's like you gotta you gotta push yourself and you gotta get out of here as well yeah that's cool and all through that it reminded me of what you were saying earlier challenging yourself artistically surrounding yourself with people that challenge you and it's cool that you're taking risks they seem to be paying off in a cool way this is cool man i like this this is cool yeah me too <laughs> and hey also speaking of playing for different crowds and seeing what it means to people. My sister, she took a job in Guyana. She went down there and I has been teaching that, for a couple that. months now. She's crazy. And I she, saw her not too long ago. Yeah, and she told me that uh, Hippocampus has got an audience down there in Georgetown. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, we have to tour down there. South American tour. <laughs> yeah, you ought to. That'd be so, a South American tour would be so sweet. What, what has touring opened your eyes to? Such a hard question. I guess just seeing how small the world is and, like, recognizing how you're making a bigger impact than you think you are consistently. Like, we were at a Starbucks in, in like, some weird place in Texas, and somebody goes, like, holy shit, are you in Hippocampus? And it's like, <laughs> oh, that's, that's super weird. Or we were in an airport in the U.K., and, and these girls from Malaysia, like, came up and were, like, 
we love Hippocampus. We're from Malaysia. And we were like, no way you're from Malaysia. And they like got out their passport and showed us. So I think just to see that your music is connecting and reaching out to people. What advice would you give to your 18-year-old self at the point of graduation? And, and this does not need to be related specifically to music, just in life. It's hmm. a good question, too. I think I would have told them to just learn to let go as well. Learn to just not stress. It's something I still am dealing with now is, is I, I tend to get very stressed out and very anxious about a lot of things. And I wish that when I was younger I would have gotten a more solid grounding, I think, in those regards on, on how to think, the right ways to think, on not to let yourself get in vicious patterns of thinking. So I think uh, I would tell my 18-year-old self to just, like, work on the way you think, you know, hmm. because that's going to be really important later when you're so far from home and you're stressed out about something and you don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, you know? and developing those skills, what has helped you? Books or, you know, mentors, anything, anything I think like mentors that? are honestly the most important thing to me. I have a great friend named Sally who helps me out with writing in life often, and Scott is a great mentor. Um, our management is great mentors. BJ is a great mentor. Like, I think mentors have been the most important. Just having one-on-one -on -one conversations with people where they tell you about their life and, and you learn that you know, you're not that much different than they are. I think that that's really important to have, to have strong mentors in your life. What is it like knowing that you, Jake Lupin, are also a mentor for many people now because of your position do you feel any sort of responsibility in that or? I mean, to a certain degree, like, I, I, I want to help people and I want to give people advice whenever they can. And I love to have conversations with people about life and everything. And there are people that I hold very near and dear to my heart that I think of, like, little brothers, you know. But I'm really not that much different in, in what we have to learn, you mm -hmm. know. We're really not that far off, you know. Maybe I've had some touring experience, but maybe you know how to think a lot better than I do, or maybe, you, you know, I think that everybody can learn from each other. Man, that's a cool way to be in the world. <laughs> Learning every day. Learning every day, man. Who else in the community here, or maybe zoning out in the U.S., who's doing good work right now, in music or otherwise? I think locally, um, Caleb Mitchell and Judah and Happy Children are doing some really cool things. That's They're pretty cool EP. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're dear friends of ours. Um, Zeke Erickson is a really close friend of mine. Subaquatic? Uh, Subaquatic, of course. All the <laughs> Subaquatic bands are great. Yeah. Peter's album was really cool. Uh, I love Peter's album. Yeah, Peter's album is fantastic. Eric Paulson and the guys from Remo Drive are some really close friends of mine. Nationally, people that are doing really cool things. Uh, we toured with this band called Okido, who are really, who are really awesome. There's some really solid dudes. Bad Bad Hats, locally are doing some really cool things. Uh, we played with Lowe the other night, who... Lowe is, like, otherworldly to me. Like, Alan Sparhawk <laughs> is, is one of those people that I really, really look up to. And he's a, he's a mentor, too, of ours. But every time I, I see him perform, it's yeah, I'm learning so many things. BJ Burden, obviously doing some really, really cool stuff <laughs> all the time. As far as, like, nationally, I mean, Bon Iver. I just saw this project called Invisible Boy the other night at the Ice House, and it's uh, Chris Bearden from Polisa. That project's very cool. I could go on and on, man. The list does go on <laughs> Drake. And on and on. Uh, yeah, man. I, I, <laughs> props to you for sticking with it for so long. <laughs> well, I know, we'll, we'll cut that down in post. We'll cut that down. <laughs> and, uh, and just to wrap up here, 
If people want to connect with you, where can they do that? Obviously, Facebook, Twitter, the good old social media outlets. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I mean, if, if you want to talk. Hash it out. Hash it out. Well, man, thanks for taking the time. Of course, Chad. Yeah, always, here. man. And uh, I'll see you around, I'm sure. Of course. Whoa! That's a wrap. Episode 9. These are just coming along. Find Jake on social media at TheTurnTan on Instagram and Twitter. Jake Lupin on Facebook. Maybe post a question I didn't quite get around to in today's episode. Or just say thank you for coming on the show. And of course, go to hippocampusband.com now to pre-order their debut album, Landmark. It's going to be available in a couple of months, and it's sure to be amazing. These guys do incredible work, and I am extremely proud to know them, to have gone to school with them. You can also go to chancebychance.com to learn more about the podcast and what I'm doing, listen to all of the episodes. I'm also on Facebook, Patreon, SoundCloud, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, wherever you are, I'm probably there, and if I'm not yet... I soon will be on Patreon. You can donate directly to the podcast. 20% of my total proceeds are being given to the Iodine Global Network. It's an organization providing that crucial micronutrient to people in developing countries worldwide. On your way out, here's a track from Hippocampus. It's their recent single, Boyish. Until next time, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening.